You are listening to the DFJ Entrepreneurial Thought Leader Series, brought to you weekly by the Stanford Technology Ventures Program. You can find podcasts and videos of these lectures online at ecorner.stanford.edu. Well, this is a um, very special day today. Today, we're pleased to host Federica Marchione, CEO of Land's End. Prior to her work at Land's End, Federica spent over a decade at Dolce & Gabbana, and before that, she was a senior VP at Ferrari. Please join me in welcoming Federica Marchione to Stanford. Hello, everyone. I hope you can hear me. Um, thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here, and I, I really think how cool it is to be a student at Stanford. I wish to be sitting with you as your peers, but I'm on stage, and I think this is a distinctly second best uh, position. So we'll, uh, we'll talk today about uh, my career path. Uh, and the reason why I will uh, share with you even more uh, information that you can find uh, Googling about myself is because I really believe in the uh, young generation and I believe that uh, when I was a student, uh, uh, listening true story and real story was very helpful. And you are envisioning your future and you're shaping your future at Stanford. Um, and so uh, Stanford, and most importantly, beyond that. So uh, I'll tell you my story, and hopefully you will find some insight for uh, shaping even more uh, your future. Uh, let's start with my title, Envisioning the Non-Obvious. Well, I was born and raised in a, a little country village near Rome, and today I am the CEO of a publicly traded company uh, in America, living in New York. How non-obvious was that, and is that, <laughs> uh, considering when I was a student like you, I could not possibly image that. I had one thing, though, that I knew. Uh, probably uh, what I consider at that time the final goal, and today I feel too young to think that it's, it's, it's the end and it's final, which is becoming a CEO. Uh, I really wanted to, to do that. So I knew the final goal, but I didn't know how to get to there. And uh, what I did was to start by choosing a final work for my uh, university, uh, the thesis, uh, in the fastest growing industry uh, at that time, which was the mobile phone. No one had a mobile phone, very few people. Can you imagine your life without mobile phone? I lived that, and I was young as you, as you are today. And um, I needed to, uh, to choose something that was helping me to then find a job especially in the Italian market where it's not easy for the young generation to, f to find a job. So I thought that that one was already envisioning uh, the future, uh, studying companies that were making lots of uh, money uh, by building networks on the buildings themselves to create the, network, the, the, the coverage for, uh, for the mobile phones. So there were companies that were selling the phones and companies that were selling the, 
the network. So I s approached that, uh, that study and thanks to that stasis, I could enter in the telecommunication field. And when I was uh, interviewed by Samsung, they wanted to hire someone who could um, know more uh, and better the, uh, the telecommunication world. I was a very young, uh, young girl at that time, but because of my thesis, I could get the job. So I was working for uh, a, a Korean um, boss who taught me a lot. Most importantly, to not get too stressed by uh, the work that I needed to do, but to work more. <laughs> and to face the stress, to stress by working more. Uh, and after I uh, left the te telecommunication field by joining the fashion world. Can you imagine after over five years of uh, telecommunication consumer market, uh, how it was called at that time, going into the luxury world. So I was perceived as an alien uh, by my colleague. And even if I had a very strong sense of style, still uh, I needed to beat all the, uh, all the prejudice. So as much as uh, Samsung, I needed to over-deliver and learn first and make uh, my interest of fashion a professional know-how. So I started by buying all the books about, about fashion, about who make the difference, about the brands, uh, and learning globally the fashion, because I was a head of global. And uh, that was an important um, moment for me and experience to get uh, international and to travel, to travel the work. So working seamlessly with uh, the Japanese, uh, with the uh, Middle Eastern, with the European and the Americans, of course. Um, and after that, I joined uh, Ferrari. Again, another big change in different way, professionally uh, and uh, personally, of course. Uh, professionally, I needed to create collection inspired by the cars. Uh, and as much as I loved Ferrari, I really didn't know anything about the sport cars. And so it was another learning curve for my life uh, to learn a lot, a lot. But that kind of mindset helped me to then face the first approach to America when I was called to come and run uh, the, um, the American operations for uh, Dolce & Gabbana. And again, Atlanta end. So now, even if for most of the people seems uh, a big change, for me it's like my, my karma, my path, my career path is to always uh, envisioning the non-obvious and making changes and embracing changes. Um, if we can start from, from uh, the, the slides, um, I would like to, to share with you the uh, guiding principles that I used uh, and I'm using uh, in, in, uh, in the company to lead this company, iconic company, into a meaningful global lifestyle brand. Uh, so my, my five guiding principles are uh, the 360-degree mindset, and I will explain you why in a second. Um, 
So, as I was saying, um, it is important to know where you're going to land. In my case, as I say to you, I wanted to become a CEO. And I always thought that by knowing where you want to go, you can then define your life in different chapters. And trying to learn, I was having a starving curiosity and trying to learn not just the business, uh, which was my number one interest, of course. Uh, but I wanted to know about art, about um, architecture, about music, about literature, about politics, about history. And that mindset really helped me also to start learning other languages. My English is not perfect, but as I was saying, I speak four languages. And uh, having that mindset helped me in the company today. So to give you a pragmatical example, um, we are now conceding, and I encourage the company to conceive the project uh, with a 360-degree mindset. One, to approach it as we are global. We have operation in Japan, in UK, and in um, Germany, uh, but the world is big, and we can be even bigger. So that figure of the world will tell you what, how much we can grow. Uh, and having this 360-degree mindset, uh, what does it mean for us? Um, we created a, a collection that is an additional collection that we're going to launch pretty soon. March 16 is the date where what you're seeing here uh, is going to be available uh, for the customer. We are calling that the designer collection, which will be added to the current one for our loyal customer. And we conceive that uh, thinking that there are different body shapes, there are different ethnicity. You know, we're here in San Francisco at Stanford, there are people represented by different countries. So from America to the rest of the world, there is not just the American feet, which we have and make us stronger. So we can leverage on that, but also add this international fit. So the 360 degree helped me immediately to say, this is what we miss, this is what we can do, uh, and what we can bring at Lensand as well. And also doing campaign and acting as a brand is very important because all the project that and the presentation to that, uh, to that collection was made in the three main fashion capital. So Tokyo, uh, London, and New York. And we are now doing in, uh, uh, and using all touches point, uh, which are the catalog, the website, as I told you before, the social media, to present ourselves in a more uh, global way, so 360 degree. Um, I, can, I can actually take that, so it will be easier, thank you. So, uh, as I was saying, also doing uh, pop-up stores that help us, as we did it, for example, uh, for the holidays that help us to grow the awareness of this new additional uh, collection. Uh, the second principle, that is probably one of my strongest one, is the excellence uh, surpass perfection. Um, there are leaders that choose 
perfection as their um, setting the bar for the uh, organization. And when you do that, what you can risk to create is a culture of fears, the fears to fail. While what I actually like more is the possibility to fail and the experimentation. So while you can experiment, you can, of course, uh, you have to be able and to accept failure. The most important thing is how fast you can react and how quickly you can fix something to make sure that then everything is going well. But of course, nobody wants to fail. We don't conceive things in that way. What we want to do is to raise the bar and making sure that we do everything possible to get, to strive for perfection, but to reach excellence. Excellence is good enough. It gives a sense of optimism into the organization. And um, it is very important, and we, I can tell you that we applied that principle in two uh, main elements. One is the catalog. So as, a, as I was saying, we have a loyal customer that we wanted to continue the light, and we wanted to also um, conquer new consumers. So we needed to have new catalogs, and we needed to delight both customer. Um, the catalog that we had were definitely beautiful. And if we weren't thinking to just continue doing what we're doing without any experiment and without trying different things, we couldn't reach at the excellent catalog that we have today. Before coming here, I think you just complimented me on the, uh, on the catalog that, that you saw and the uh, advancement that we did. Is that perfect? Not yet. We will get there. Uh, but you will get there step by step and again, experimenting um, every time. Same things for the website. On the website, as I was saying to you, we are launching on March 16 uh, a new section for launching this collection. And uh, it doesn't mean that for this year, everything we've done is not perfect. Everything we've done in this year is to great step by step, increasing uh, operational way to make sure that your online experience is uh, better, uh, you can shop faster, and uh, you are pleased with the navigation. So we created the, uh, a new index or an express checkout. So we are adding things little by little, and what we are creating now is a new uh, creative content that uh, can speak different languages because even the visual language is different for each eyes. We have different tastes, so different people want to see visually different things. So that's what uh, we're trying to do. But again, if I was thinking what is the perfection only, I could not reach that immediately. So I sit with my team and defining what were the steps and how fast we could move into um, what we consider the excellence. And hopefully our consumer will uh, continue to be delighted. Uh, and 
as I said, the research of excellence is a constant journey. Everything is a constant journey, but the research of that is even more. So uh, you cannot think that you finish the moment uh, you, have, uh, you have done a great job. This is the starting point for a new moment, uh, for a new uh, facing the competition that is fierce, especially online, where everybody today can just start a company online. And so you have even more competition than you used to have. Uh, so we need to be uh, very strong and continue, as I was saying, experimenting, fail, but then can immediately react. And we're not perfect, but definitely I think that this organization is excellent. Um, the other principle which uh, was really linked on, on my personal story is the changing and adapt. If you embrace changes, you can grow much more and much faster than, uh, and it's easier to say than to leave. I really uh, uh, would like for you to think for a moment that uh, I was surrounded by clothes and shoes. And the next month, uh, next day, I was surrounded by cars and wonderful uh, people, technician, uh, they were all dressed in red. The families uh, were very welcome, while in the fashion work is, is a bit different. Uh, my son was able to touch the Formula One car. So it was an amazing experience to, uh, to go into Ferrari. But uh, as I was saying, changing are, uh, changes can be scary. Uh, but if you use uh, the uh, Dweck mindset, that changes can be just a, an opportunity for you to learn more and to grow. Uh, this is the biggest uh, opportunity that you can have in your life. Uh, of course, you need to be brave because the moment a, an opportunity is presented to you that requires to change what you're doing, it is, uh, it, it is caring. But um, if you face it with uh, the positive approach of keep learning, because you will never stop learning. You're a student now, and when I was joking to you before and say, I would like to sit with you, I actually feel that I am sitting with you still, because this is what we keep doing. I'm saying to my son, I hope you will choose something that you like to do, because you will study your whole life, and this is what we do. In uh, the organization where I'm working today, um, I'm also encouraging this idea of continue to adapt uh, and, uh, and change. Um, changes, again, uh, are scaring, but if we do it adapting day by day on the new uh, opportunities that are in the market and we research, first of all, who are our competitors, how we can face that, and we know that we need to be uh, definitely um, able to delight our loyal customer. In our case, so we needed to develop product uh, that were not uh, the trend-setting design that I used to make 
uh, when I was working for Dolce & Gabbana. I needed to delight my loyal customer that have a much more traditional approach. So I could uh, show to my, uh, to my team that is something we ca I can do. So everybody can actually be adaptable and the adaptability is the number one uh, element for always being ahead of the curve and uh, create uh, success. And the same things I did for the modern collection. So the modern collection, and I'm actually wearing a piece of it, uh, is a collection that has much more a design, uh, aesthetic, and aspirational uh, factor, but it's not as expensive as I was uh, producing before when I was uh, in the luxury world. So adapting in this world also means that we can produce things in a different way. Yes, we developed the collection in, uh, in Italy because, as I was saying, the body shapes has to be an, an international one for this part of the collection. Uh, and, but we produce the clothes in Asia, so we maintain the most important promise to our customer, which is the fair value price. So you will find this collection very appealing, but also uh, very affordable. And this is something to show that we, I can be adaptable. I could do that. And of course, I knew that I could do that. That's why I also joined this company. But uh, for most of the people, they were, uh, they were questioning if I could be able to speak the language of the loyal customer and while I conquering new customer, not to raise uh, the bar too much and alienate uh, our customer. This is not our intent. Uh, our intent is to, and my personal intent, is to maintain definitely what is uh, the DNA of the company, leveraging on our platform and conquering new consumers, so what we call the new customer uh, acquisition. Another important way for saying that we are able to be uh, adaptable uh, is that as I said, the vision of this company is to elevate the company into a meaningful global lifestyle brand. And so we needed to act as a brand. And acting as a brand, we made a, a project where everybody rallied together from the designing team, the merchandising team, the supply chain, uh, the outfit, business outfitters, and we created, and of course the sales, because then uh, this backpack was sold into the store, into online. We created a backpack with a, a designer who uh, won uh, the Project Runway Junior. So we work with a completely different project where we never worked before. And uh, my team was in TV talking with uh, the, the designer who won, is a very young, uh, talented girl. And uh, the challenge in that episode was launched by uh, the first lady um, who is on the, um, on the challenge to help uh, girls around the world out of education. So this, the proceed, part of the proceed for that uh, backpack we're going to the Peace Corp for Let Girl Learns project. And 
this was an example on how the company could really act as a brand. We rallied together, and that was another moment where we could show that we can change and adapt versus what we want to, uh, to become. Another important uh, guideline is definitely exercising skills, and in particular, new skill. We are all born with uh, an aptitude, and we have certain skills that are our strength. Those skills are the ones that you want to leverage, and you want to get stronger uh, from that skills. But at the same time, you need to recognize your weakness. The moment you start to recognize your weakness and and uh, exercise what you don't have in your strength is the moment that really you can grow more. So um, I can tell you that this was one of the things that I uh, always try to do personally and professionally. Uh, going to, to Lensen when I started, um, I immediately recognized that there were few, um, few skills that this company maybe had, but did not even realize that they have because they never exercised that. One was being nimble, and so uh, gather a, a, a bigger sense of speed. Uh, so we had a project, and the project was to open in only six weeks, which is a record for our industry, a huge store, a flagship store, in New York uh, Fifth Avenue. So we were in face, facing the world with that store. We could incredibly fail, but instead uh, we succeed to open a pop-up store, uh, which was a huge success, uh, not just for the fact that uh, the customer loved that, that, that store, but most importantly, our organization gather a sense of positiveness by knowing that, yes, they could have, uh, they are nimble and they are fast. They could move so quickly that in six weeks, for whoever does this, this business, they know it's really uh, tough to build out a store and to put the merchandise in there, to train, to find the team, to train the team in 9,000 feet, square feet. So that was one example. Um, another example of being, uh, being uh, nimble and uh, exercise different skills is definitely to find efficiencies. So when I joined the company, I saw also that uh, we have a budget that we spend in different activities. And this project uh, could have been uh, spent in different way to gather also uh, a bigger brand awareness and higher brand awareness. So we started to uh, look into the different activities that we were doing and say, where can we find these efficiencies and uh, use our resources in different way. One was definitely the store that I uh, showed you before. Other were the brand spending. So starting to have a campaign 
that a brand campaign that was showing what we were doing. Uh, one of the latest activities that we did, and that's why we had this, this picture here, was actually in San Francisco, talking about brand activity for the Super Bowl. Um, and we made uh, two distinct advertising campaigns, uh, one for the new customer, uh, and we needed to conquer them, and one for the loyal one. We have a little video that we want to show you. So this was the first video that we did for uh, the new customer that we wanted to, uh, to conquer. And so this customer is a young customer. Uh, definitely uh, you didn't see the, the family around that customer. Uh, as I was saying to you, um, we are seeking for a new generation to come and, and we are developing product for them with a different uh, body shape. But the most important thing is that we were using the budget that we had before, not increasing the budget. Actually, we spent less last year versus the year before uh, by doing also this other activity. We just allocate differently uh, the resources, and this is how we can say you can exercise skill, you can raise the bar, you can do what you probably didn't think. Uh, we could have done it. So uh, again, another example for our organization to show the muscle uh, and to, um, to feel that they can uh, be efficient uh, and create new things. This is definitely something different that for whoever knows Lensend already uh, from the previous one. And in fact, uh, the other one is another campaign that speaks more to our loyal customer. The loyal customer that is today is definitely uh, the school uniform because we do serve uh, not all the School of America, but almost. Uh, and we wanted to give a message of uh, connection to, uh, to this consumer and, of course, uh, the families. So this uh, campaign um, had a, a, a beautiful uh, payoff, We Believe in You, and was done uh, by Bruce Weber. So again, for the first time, we were working with a uh, photographer that is a leader uh, in the industry and uh, never worked with Lensend, but definitely have worked with American strong uh, company that were rebuilt um, from uh, or, or were rebranded in the past. Uh, he worked for um, others that for sure, for sure you know uh, very well. We also have a video here that uh, I want to show to show you the difference between uh, what I was saying, the new customer and the loyal customer that today represent the biggest base for Lensend. This is actually my sentiment to what I believe in the customer and I wanted to tell them that we believe in you and uh, there was a, a loving message to them and uh, we showcased that video in uh, uh, areas that we never imagined before to showcase. Times Square was the number one uh, and the main airlines of America, so United. Um, Virgin and uh, um, American Airlines. So 
um, that was possible, again, reducing the budget, but still doing these amazing activities because we found efficiencies. So exercising skills, the new skills, the one that you don't have, I think is the most important thing for, for your life. Was for me, still is for me, uh, keep learning, and, uh, and that will lead you into a, a greater um, success. The last one, which, uh, which is also uh, one of the core principles that we have at Let's End, and one of the reasons why I choose to come at Let's End is the uh, leading with purpose. Um, I could not conceive my career only as a successful business leader. I would like to create something that is also meaningful for, uh, for the people, for my customer, for the future generation. So uh, Lenshand is a legacy for doing these activities since uh, the past. The uh, founder, uh, Gary Comer, uh, was in an activist environmental uh, since uh, the 70s, he was talking about global warming. So we took uh, the uh, sustainability and the corporate social responsibility uh, at a bigger and higher stance. And uh, we decided to make that as part of our, uh, of our program to lead with purpose. The one project that I uh, started to do, uh, going back to, to this slide, is the Lens Friendly. We launched after 90 days that I was um, in, in Lens End, we created the Lens Friendly, uh, which was launched uh, the day of a her day. Um, her day is today a global movement on April 22nd and was initiated in Wisconsin. So while searching, because if you search and you analyze and you always create a new project, and we launched that at that point and our stand was create a, a better environment. So we signed an agreement, a greater agreement with National Forest Foundation, we had it before, uh, saying that we were going to plant one million trees. Uh, and we wanted to reduce our carbon footprint, so uh, reducing the distribution of uh, catalogs, which are very loved by our customer, and we will continue to, uh, to deliver to them. But uh, we made a research and, uh, to understand what is the right balance between uh, sending the catalog or having them shopping online. Uh, and so reducing and becoming, uh, reducing the carbon footprint and becoming more land friendly. So that was the first project. Uh, another project that we have today is that we work with the um, University of Wisconsin <coughs> And we have for every semester two or three projects that are made by students who uh, will uh, tell us which are the other efforts and steps we can take uh, for the sustainability. And so uh, 
this is something that uh, we do with them because we are close to uh, to medicine. But as I was saying, uh, there is also a project that we just did uh, close to you on the West Coast, uh, which is the um, Alcatraz Lighthouse. Why we support the lighthouse? Uh, we uh, made an agreement with the U.S. Society, lighthouse Society uh, because the symbol of Lensend is a lighthouse. Um, and so uh, we, des- we help the research of um, the study for understanding uh, what is needed to be done to uh, rebuild uh, the, the Alcatraz Lighthouse. So uh, we just made that, uh, that agreement in uh, uh, last October 5th uh, that we launched, and we're trying to continuously raise the bar and making sure that we take care of different uh, stands that can uh, be close to all our customers. So not just the one in Wisconsin, but also the one of the West Coast and definitely nationally and more uh, importantly, uh, day by day, globally and internationally, as we were saying. So uh, this is the journey where I am today at Lensend. Uh, by all the experiences that I did so far is to make sure that I use all my skill set that I learn in a different chapter. And day by day, I continue uh, improve uh, to, to create this uh, global, uh, meaningful global lifestyle brand. Um, I'm sure that one day you will be leader in uh, any industry that you will choose to lead and I'm sure that uh, you will choose different paths. But the one thing that I would like you to, to consider today, from today on, is to embrace the non-obvious. Because the non-obvious brought me, in the end, where I am today. And so, as I share with you the five principles that I uh, had and I'm still using in my professional career. What you have today is something that is time. Time to learn uh, and time to uh, keep understanding what will be the best for you uh, to keep learning and to improve your skills, to have a mindset that is at 360 degree, to change and adapt. And all I said to you so far um, but embracing all of that with an approach that everything is possible. You can do it, and you can become whoever you would like to become um, if you have the final goal in mind. Uh, It's not necessarily that you need to know right now, but it's important that you will shape that uh, as soon as possible, but also that your final goal can be the final goal for one chapter. And then you can continue to increase uh, your knowledge and go to the next chapter and have probably different different goals. So I wish you the best. I would like to open actually this session to uh, questions, 
because I found that before in class that those are the most interesting part for all of you to understand better what would you like to learn today. Thank you. Okay, so uh, here we are looking at this room full of all of these uh, very entrepreneurial-minded folks who are seeing you as a, an incredible role model. What do you wish you had learned when you were in school? What would you do differently if you could go back and sit in these chairs? What would you study? What would you do? Uh, at that point, because now I know, <laughs> it's definitely to be more balanced and to be patient. It is important that uh, you think that everything should happen at that moment and uh, everything you want has to happen the moment you think you want it. Uh, but instead, you can get there. But you can get there by, being, uh, by understanding that the experience is also very important. You cannot just continuously uh, go uh, and think that you can do something but it's important that you got the experience for that, and sometimes uh, you get frustrated because you think that you know already. It's not actually true. Somebody over you knows that uh, you need to learn something more before to move to the next step. So be patient uh, and uh, understand that uh, the balance between what uh, you think to know and what is your um, personal uh, evol evolution, not just the professional evolution, uh, is very important. That will lead you into the next chapter of, of your life. Uh, with regards to your marketing campaigns, like the lands friendly, how do you decide which direction to take with your marketing? Because it seems pretty, pretty focused. Uh, it was an easy one to choose because, as I said, uh, I research and see that in our DNA we already had uh, a lot of uh, legacy for being lens friendly. We never used the name, and because I come from a marketing uh, background, so I created the name with my team that actually uh, vetted the name and were very uh, pleased. And uh, so that was the first, the first reason. The second reason is because for our name, our name is Lensent. Who needs to take care of the land and where the land's end, if not us? So there were two, two elements. And actually, the name inspired me. The names make me come to land's end because the moment I hear the name, I imagine where the land's end. There are many places in the world. And this is where all of us, I think, uh, I would like that one day, land's end is a state of mind where you can get your ex escape. Uh, but of course, it's all connected <laughs> to the environment. So. Uh, that's why, for me, it was kind of an easy thing. So, um, is it mostly a gut feeling for how to, what direction to go, or are there any, is there any, are there any metrics you use to decide whether that feels right or not? Uh, I was saying previously uh, to the other class that when you have a project that you want to do, especially this kind of project, they can be very tricky. Uh, any kind of uh, meaningful initiatives. If you're not authentic, 
people will not uh, understand that and will not follow you. So the metrics that we use is the authenticity. Is that a real uh, part of the DNA of the company or we are stretching too much and going uh, outside the path that we are creating? So uh, the metric was how real we can look to our customer if we choose uh, the environment uh, as our um, initiative for, uh, for the Minifone project. So as I was saying, our founder, Mr. Gary Comer, was an environmentalist activist. So it was an easy one. We were already having uh, an agreement with the National uh, Forest Foundation, but it wasn't that meaningful and great to plant up to one million trees. So those were the, uh, were the elements. This one was one of the campaigns that really resonated to, to our consumers. So we were very pleased. Sorry, she was first. <laughs> Can you speak up, please? So you were able to move to lots of different industries. Um, and I was just wondering how you found those opportunities and like, what was the support? Can you take a few questions? Yes, so she asked me, uh, since I work in different uh, industry, how I, I found those jobs, basically. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> uh, so the first one, as I was saying to you, was a choice by my thesis because I choose to work in this uh, industry. Uh, and of course, I was looking for the job, and uh, uh, I could find something else. But in the interview that I excelled the most was at Samsung when they interviewed me, and they knew that I know a lot about their industry. So my know-how, my preparation at the moment, was the number one uh, element. Um, the uh, the jump to the fashion was actually a coincidence. Uh, but first of all, I think I always had a very strong sense of styles. I just simply did not conceive that as a business. And so uh, when I, um, I met the designers in person, it's like for you, me thing, you know, Elon Musk or, <laughs> or Steve Jobs at that time for me was the 2000 when I met the designers. Um, I, I was brave because I asked them, what phone do you use? And they told me, they were using Motorola. At that time, I was in Ericsson. I presented the entire line of phones for Ericsson and say, you need to change your mind. <laughs> because, and I was explaining to them what, uh, why Ericsson was a better choice. And so when they called me and they wanted to have somebody that had that a brave approach, and of course, they were passing to be a more familiar company versus a global company, and I had uh, experience uh, in global companies before, like Ericsson, like uh, Samsung, uh, the different process and methods, they wanted to learn about that. So uh, I was expanding with them the, uh, the operation internationally. Uh, but of course, the being brave uh, was definitely the, the, uh, the element. And for Ferrari, I was approached by a different company in the same industry. But I was working for Dolce & Gabbana for so long that I didn't feel 
to go work in another fashion company, I couldn't learn. And to me, learning different things was the key. So I didn't move into that uh, until I found a company that was, first of all, global and had an operation in New York because my goal was to move to New York. So once I left and I went to, uh, to Ferrari, the designer really understood that I was serious about New York. I wanted to go there. So they approached me uh, just after to propose me to, to go to New York and coming back to the company, that's what I did. Uh, and so that's, that's what happened. And next question, but now is the gentleman. Frederica, you were counseling on patience, but as a public company CEO, you've got lots of impatient investors and you are scrutinized every quarter and you're turning around a big ship. I wondered how, what's your, how do you manage stakeholder expectations and give yourself time to... So I said patient and balance. Uh, and those two things are very important. So the patient is to really be patient in moment where uh, it seems that everything collapsed because the shareholders would like to have something immediate. But of course, first of all, I have the sense of urgency myself. I don't need the, design, the, the, the shareholder telling me to move quickly because I try to really uh, run as fast as I can uh, to get results. Um, but at the same time, what my strength was and, and, and is, is to build values uh, to the brand and to the company. So the value you will get more and more on a long-term basis. Um, the uh, short performance is something that I also would like to have. Of course, for our industry, uh, making new collection, it requires a lead time that you cannot compress uh, more than we already did. So uh, we are launching this, uh, this new collection, the boat for the loyal customer and the new customer right now. And it is one year after I joined the company. So by the time you do that, so uh, this year can be one year where you can really uh, see the uh, results of uh, my impact uh, and uh, I should be judged by them, but I think they know that it, 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 they need to give you at least 18 months, especially for a big organization like Lens End, uh, to turn things around. So, uh, of course, uh, if you can do it faster, it's even better, but it's almost, uh, it's almost impossible. I think that uh, we are in the right path. Uh, to, to, to change things around, but uh, it's a constant journey to keep improving and to deliver performance. Uh, what I did, especially changing different industry, I needed to over-deliver. And I learned and deliver. That was the most important thing to get to the success. So the people will call you and say, come to work and do this, this job. So uh, I proved that. I needed to prove it again. Um, and uh, maybe because there is always this preconcept towards me that helped me to give me another drive uh, besides the one that I have already uh, in my DNA. You talked about adaptability being an important value. 
how do you feel like you've had to adapt your management style and yourself to the culture at Lansing? Uh, I had the opportunity to have an experience in, uh, uh, in two companies that helped me very much to be very close to Lansing. One was the Dolce Gabbana U.S., working in U.S. already, knowing everything that is the new rules, the new procedures, the new way, the new vacation time, or you know, the way you say holidays, or uh, whatever is needed to know. Uh, it, it's, it was very important that I did it before. So definitely that helped me already a lot. The other thing was to work for Ferrari in a such small uh, little country village near Modena called Maranello, uh, which really look like Dodgeville, uh, where I am uh, when I go to Lensand. So by having those two experiences, and that's when I was saying to you that all the skills that I developed through the years are now helping me to uh, feel at home in Lensand. Uh, first of all, I really wanted to, to have this job, this opportunity, uh, and by uh, having had the opportunity to work with the American culture and to work with small communities and coming from a small community because my background was in a country village just like I knew everybody. Uh, so that was uh, not impossible to make that, that a change and adaptability. But my sense of adaptability in, is thinking to the future. I always project myself 20 years after and not just myself, but what the consumer wants tomorrow. What are they doing? What is already there that uh, uh, on the cooking that we don't know today, but is coming up? And how can we close the gap to make sure that we're not late? So that is my sense of adaptability. Please join me in thanking our wonderful guest today. Thank you. You have been listening to the Draper Fisher Jurvetson Entrepreneurial Thought Leader Series, brought to you weekly by the Stanford Technology Ventures Program. You can find additional podcasts and videos of these lectures online at ecorner.stanford.edu.